Campfire Chat is an entertainment podcast and you should not attempt any of the acts discussed in the show. Neither Campfire Chat or its presenters are liable for any harm or misfortune that falls on anyone who disregards this morning. Lovely. Okay, and welcome to episode 13. I'm Oliver Rogers. Unlucky for them because they're listening to this. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you're well? I'm very well, thank you. Jolly How are you? Good. Yeah. Oh shit! The microphone's just fallen down. Sorry, I've got to pick it up again. Oh, oh god. god. <laughs> so professional. But yeah. No, I'm really good. I'm, I'm I'm really really good. Yeah. I've had quite a uh, quiet week work-wise. Good. Although I did um, a few episodes ago, I mentioned I was caught out urinating in a customer's garden. Yes. Well, I was working for the same customer and her mm-hmm. rather attractive 60-year-old daughter, if you can imagine such a thing. <laughs> y- so yep. what she wanted me to do was dig out a tree stump, which mm-hmm. was great because that heats you up, you know, so I was perfectly I was sweaty, in fact, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she wanted me to turn over a huge compost maker. So she's got this... She's very wealthy, but she's got this crap <laughs> compost maker, which I've made out of pallets old bits of metal nice. stuff she's given me and it's in two sections so mm-hmm. one section is now empty because we've distributed said compost and so i had to turn the the one that's full turn it yep. over and put it in the empty one and yep. that's again that's really hard work um, yep. but i love that because i was in the sunshine believe it or not and was oh, listening nice. to podcasts i was listening to a drama about it was kind of a bit supernatural about a wormhole and missing kids and all stuff so that was quite good Mm -hmm. but obviously they've seen me urinate in the past and this has never been spoken of between us so i'm working away (laughs) really hard work but with my my uh wireless earbuds in listening to my podcast getting really quite into it working quite hard all of a sudden i feel a disturbance in the force and I right. looked round, and they're stood about two metres away from me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long they've been stood there, but they obviously wanted to get my attention so they wouldn't be another, you know, pissing in front of them business. <laughs> um, and what, by the time I'd seen them, they got onto the stage where they were waving their arms above their heads and shouting. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was my one of my fun jobs. Yeah, that was okay Good. this week. I quite enjoyed that. But apart from that, not much gardening. I cried off today because the uh, weather radar predicting website told me it was going to piss down all morning, which it hasn't. So I look like a right lightweight. Oh, shit. Yes. It's been quite yeah. wet and oh. miserable here. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm pleased yeah. to hear that. No, it's okay <laughs> Thank you. It's just windy. I've just walked down to get the old mystery fish. Nice, nice. Yes. Oh, do you want to hit? Should we jump into mystery fish early? Uh, we normally have it at the end, don't we? But it's up to you. Oh, Should we deviate might, from the path? I, or? I, I, I might go prematurely. Okay, well, last week uh, yes. we had Gurnard again, which I pot roast, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. And I also asked specifically for red mullet or red snapper, a small red fish that tastes of prawns because that's what it eats. Yeah. And what I did was I coated them in seasoned semolina flour. These are whole fish, quite little, about the size of your, about the size of a big man's hand. Yeah. 
or a very well hung man's penis about that size <laughs> so about that's but pink well i suppose penises and hands are pink well like yeah exactly like that so i coated them in seasoned semolina flour i shallow fried them but with enough oil to get a good crispness on them mm-hmm. and then you hoy them out the pan keep them warm into that fishy oil that you've got in the pan i added orange juice orange zest orange slices capers and garlic just fried it off a bit and then poured that over the fish it was fantastic that i did part... that for my youngest and her boyfriend as well so that there's a hell of a lunch right there <laughs> that part the oil part it sounds lovely and vegan yes um, yeah, that bit's vegan. i didn't like this i didn't like the sound of it though when you poured it on your daughter and her boyfriend though no i know <laughs> but that but this week i've just been there now literally i've just got back from walking to pick up the mystery fish yeah i've got Two lemon sole, which are quite a nice flat fish. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically I'm just going to fry them, and actually it's going to involve a huge amount of butter. It's a French recipe, um, but also they gave me langoustine, which are the also hell are they? known. Well, they're like miniature lobsters. They've got big claws. They're pink okay. shellfish. They're also called Dublin Bay prawns, mm-hmm. and it um it reminded me of when I first had langoustine so years ago when i first met my partner we uh, i had she bought me actually a big old 500 cc honda motorcycle a cx 500 known as a plastic pig for some reason a yep. most a most ill-designed motorcycle because <laughs> it's really top heavy so we had quite a few falling over incidents with it anyway she was um naive enough to suggest we went to france on it so we did a little tour on the motorbike uh, we mm-hmm. went down to the Loire, and then we went all round Brittany. But one place we stay in, I think it was on the seaside, uh, we find this quite posh restaurant and order like the set meal thing. But the mm-hmm. starter is langoustines, and they were just fantastic. Um, I forget how they cooked them, because we also ordered whiskey cocktails, which were on offer <laughs> in this place. And after the whiskey cocktails, the rest of the meal, and indeed the evening, was a bit of a blur. But yeah, nice. it was a good holiday. She um, She's a keen wild water swimmer, my partner, mm-hmm. which I wasn't aware of at the time because I'd only just met her. Yeah. And we're driving around Brittany, uh, stop at this place. I think it was near Karnak, not sure. And we just do a little coastal walk and there's some lovely coves, you know, where you can swim. It's a bit like Cornwall in landscape. Not many people around. So she says, oh, I'm going to go swimming in here. But I said, we haven't got our costumes. You know, we can't go swimming. And she oh. says, oh, I, I don't care. I'm just going to strip off and get in there. So I mm-hmm. couldn't say no. So I had to strip off and get in there. But it's not my thing. I don't like no. exposing myself. And I don't like exposing myself in cold water that makes me look minimalist. <laughs> so, so yeah. So the Langoustines reminded me of that. The other, the other funny thing about... Well, there were many funny things about that holiday. The Bayer Tapestry. Rubbish, by the way. It looks like something a two-year-old's done. Really <laughs> poor quality. Um, we, we, I had a guidebook that had like the cheapest rooms in France in it. So mm-hmm. most of the beds, the double beds in the rooms we rented, yeah. dipped in the middle. So you kind of got pushed together because they were so worn out that you got pushed together in oh. the middle because it was like U-shaped. One day oh. we get to this place and it's like an upside down U. So instead of tipping you into the middle, it tried to throw you off the edge of the bed. <laughs> and it took me ages to work out, well, why, why is this one like that? And yeah. of course, all they'd done was flip it over. 
on the last day of this holiday, yeah, we had to get up early to ride along the northern French coast mm-hmm. to get to the ferry. I think the ferry was at Wiestrom or Carn, same place pretty much. Uh, so we were in the very early morning. We were riding along the coast road that mm-hmm. goes past all the D-Day landing beaches. Yeah, and in out in the sea. You can still see the uh, concrete landing platforms, like the temporary harbour the Allied yeah. forces built, so they could stop the big boats there where the water's deep enough, mm-hmm. get everyone onto these concrete things, and then get them onto landing craft, and then go and you know say hello to the Germans in quite an aggressive way. I've been so, there, yeah. Uh, and it's really spooky, and it has it an atmosphere, and it's a bit weird. And this was early morning, so there was mist, and it was really, it really uh, struck a chord. Years later. I went on another motorbike holiday with a certain decorator we know yep. and a certain um, Geordie miscreant we know. <laughs> and we uh, stopped at Aramanche. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the last night of our holiday. And it's a beautiful place. And it has up on the hill a modern uh, museum to the D-Day landings. And it's really impressive. It's a big circular building, so it looks quite nice. Oh, and, and the, I've been the display... there. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's really good. And they've got like a... 360 cinema screen inside that does like one long yeah yeah it's really good really quite affecting and and, and brings it all back to you so we're trying to find somewhere to stay in Aramanche it's quite a busy place so the first place we tried was full then we find another place kind of on the hill just outside Aramanche he's only got two beds so one there were three of us so two of us were going to have to top and tail i was up for it no one else was i don't know what that says about their insecurities ollie but i'll leave that to the listener to decide Uh, i think it's more (laughs) i know no i think that's more to do with getting in the bed with you dave Uh, hang on now (laughs) who wouldn't want that who wouldn't want that actually that reminds me of another story when someone did refuse that a a male friend of ours bastard um (laughs) and it wasn't anything sexual uh, anyway, so uh, we go into town and there's this nice looking B&B slash restaurant called La Mulberry, which mm-hmm. I think the Mulberry, I think, was the name of one of the beaches or something like that. I anyway, don't think it was, but OK. And there's, I, I don't know what it refers to. And there's this big swarthy Frenchman, a large bearded Frenchman. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got rooms for you all, um, but I've got to go off and do my other job. It's about five in the afternoon. He said, I also curate the local museum and I've got to go there and lock up now. So uh, you mm-hmm. lads, dump your stuff here. You can park your bikes around the back. And he brought us out free uh, glasses of beer, really like posh French beer, like Lefe or whatever. Oh, so nice. He brought us out free beer, which was lovely. Really nice guy. Mm-hmm. We get showered, changed. We go into town. The first bar we go to, really nice. Uh, nice little French bar. Mm-hmm. It's got lots of interesting items hung up on the wall, including a acoustic guitar. Lovely. So uh, Boogie Barnes, uh, the Geordie miscreant, having mm-hmm. had a few beverages, just picks the guitar up off the wall and starts knocking out a tune which impressed everyone in the bar, which is really cool. The evening ends up, many hours later, when we're quite Mm well-oiled, in this other bar that's got a dartboard. So we, the three of us, start playing darts, at which point a Frenchman on his own, about our age, Mm -hmm. engages us in conversation. So uh, we we start playing darts (laughs) with him. He Mm -hmm. clearly has never thrown darts before because he's (laughs) throwing them as hard as he can. (laughs) 
as if he's trying to like throw them through the wall. <laughs> and he's a bit drunk, we're a bit drunk. All of well, a that's sudden, how I play darts. Sorry, that's how you play darts. <laughs> yeah. Dangerously. Yeah. All of a sudden, he, he says to us, uh, by the way, he says, uh, I'm a bisexual. Like that. So I think right. he was trying to chat us up. It was very <laughs> strange. I've got nothing against bisexuals, but um, I was too hammered. I'd have been rubbish in bed. <laughs> and then, then we get back to the Mulberry, try and quietly find our rooms and go to sleep. In mm-hmm. the morning, we look. We must be looking a bit ropey. The three of us are sat down for breakfast. The lovely bearded swarthy owner comes comes up to us with his little notepad to take our breakfast order, and yeah. he says, "Do you want a latte?" The cafe or the beer? <laughs> oh. we, didn't, we didn't have beer. We really didn't have beer. It was a lovely breakfast, though. Yeah, if ever you're in Aramont, which you must go to again. Yes, uh, I will go again. Mulberry. He's a really nice guy. And you Good. get from my room, you've got a view of the church from the toilet, which is always Oh, lovely. Nice. Yeah, I always like that. Lovely. And that was Dave's Mystery Fish of the Week. <laughs> yes, that was my Mystery Fish. Sorry. We went there with Oh, I'm drinking. I'm drinking a couple of bottles of Punk IPA because oh, they're nice. only they're only small bottles. So I thought I'd have one or two. Yeah, and what no, are you drinking? A, that's a nice beverage. Well, what I want to be drinking is a whiskey I was given yesterday. Right. So it's my father's birthday today. Happy birthday, Dad. Uh, Happy so birthday, Dad. Yes, uh, Jeff. I think he's well. How old am I? I'm 54, and mm-hmm. I think he had me when I was. When he was, he didn't have me, obviously, that's weird, <laughs> even though we lived in Devon. Um, so he had me when I was 20, so I think that makes him 74. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So um, I very socially distancely took him a present yesterday. I went out on the motorbike because it was dry, which was great. Nice. And I delivered him a five-litre keg of beer from the Good Chemistry Brewing Company, mm-hmm. which is marvellous. I think it's called Kokomo weekend this beverage it's quite hoppy but not too hoppy and it's just beautiful it's a really nice beer so I Mm -hmm. took him that because I haven't seen him in months he still had my Christmas presents which included a bottle of Glasgow distilled whiskey that's been aged in American oak barrels and it's fantastic but I have a feeling my wife hid it from me yesterday afternoon because when I got back I was excited and started drinking it, and today I can't find it. So I oh, think that's not fair. It. But that's but that's fair enough. That is that's wise. <laughs> I never used to like uh, whiskey, but um, every year my father would buy me a bottle of scotch for Christmas, mm-hmm. and he started buying me these porcelain ceramic. They're shaped like a large ceramic bell, probably mm-hmm. the size of a small bucket, I guess, uh, and they're full of whiskey. Nice. And for years, I just kept sticking them in the loft because I mm-hmm. didn't like whiskey. And then I get to feel a bit bad about this, a bit guilty. Yeah. So one year, I decided to, to I'm going to acquire this taste. So yeah. like two or three times a week, I would have a small glass of scotch. Mm-hmm. And I would get it down me, even though initially I didn't like the taste. Mm-hmm. After doing this for 12 months, you start to crave the taste. You do. So I, I don't know whether you actually like it. But you start to crave it and miss it if you're not drinking it. So I then got into scotch. 
uh, and was drinking the scotch in these lovely porcelain bells. Mm. A few years on from this, Dad <laughs> says to me, oh, um, you've got all the bells, haven't you? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, most of them are empty, but I've got them. And he had a right go at me. He said I wasn't supposed to drink them because <laughs> they're like collector's items. And if you've got yeah. a full set of ones that are full of scotch, they're worth a fortune. So I think he was trying to leave me a legacy, but I, I drank it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was his fault, wasn't it? He should have known better. I- I think that was his fault. I've got a few that still got Scotch, and I've got the Millennium one, the 1999 one. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's up there. Well, so yeah, my dad's a, a splendid drinker. And Good. when I was about 12 or 13, he came back from, he was a pilot, so he'd been away. Mm-hmm. So he came back after like a week away to the family home. Me, my mum, my brother, my dad just returning. And I think their marriage was a bit on sticky ground at this point. So there was a bit of tension in the Atmos. And Dad said, oh, while I was away, Mm -hmm. I found this great cocktail we were drinking. So I'll make her like a a batch of this. We'll all have a drink and, you know, it'll mellow the mood and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So what he makes is a cocktail called Stingers, (laughs) right? Which is brandy. A reasonable brandy, yeah, fifty-fifty with a liqueur, a mint liqueur called Creme de Mont. So it's brandy and it's mint liqueur, and it's like and polos on steroids. It's fucking lethal. No mixer, just brandy, no. oh, Creme de Mont. My brother had a sip and then refused to drink it. My mum had a sip, refused to drink it. Me and Dad finished it off. <laughs> God, the hangover was just extreme. Not nice. Not a nice hangover. <laughs> you oh, getting a hangover? Yes, I did. I've never known it. Never get drunk on whiskey. Oh, feedback. Oh, good. Yes, uh, Mail. Uh, my wife listened to number seven and liked mm-hmm. it. Good. And gave a lot of positive feedback, so that was nice. She giggled several times, which is quite good. I can still make her laugh mm-hmm. when I've got my clothes on, which is great. <laughs> uh, my uh, our Canadian listener, the lovely Patrick, aka Paddy, Patricia. Hello, Patrick. Uh, he did. Hello, Patrick. He did text me to say that my description of oysters was not my oyster morphology was not correct because he thought it was far too genital related. Oh. I think he's wrong. He clearly isn't, you know, up with oysters. <laughs> As a vegan, that sounds wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they do look yes, like indeed. genitals. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Talking of my dad's birthday. Yeah. Uh, uh, as you know, I stupidly clicked on a link I got through Facebook Messenger that turned out to be like a phishing viral thing. Oh yeah, you sent me. Yeah, that got sent yeah. to me. Yeah. A pain in the ass. So it, it sent itself to everyone in my Facebook Messenger address book, effing FB. Yeah. Um, but as a consequence, my Uncle Pete phoned me, mm-hmm. my my dad's brother. So uh, it got me thinking about Uncle Pete, a lovely guy. Mm-hmm. He's a bit unusual. Uh, and it, he's, he was a postman for most of his working life, but he also is very artistic. He used to be a window dresser and he used to paint signs for pubs and that kind of thing. Nice. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I'll, t- I'll come back to this later. <laughs> um, so, a really nice guy. So, I was chatting to him, and it made me remember years ago when I was game, was about 13, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had arranged for his mother in law that lived in Exeter, quite near to him, in a council house. And back then, you could do council house swaps. So, if you knew someone else in another city, say, mm-hmm. who was in a council house and they wanted to 
move to where you were and you wanted to move where they were, you could very simply just swap. And the councils were happy with this. It was a system. It's quite a good system, actually. That sounds um, really good. So, better so than wife swapping. Better than wife swapping, <laughs> yes. A lot better than wife swapping. I don't know whose wife I'd swap mine for. <laughs> None. No that's one, not, obviously. Let's not go no. down that. No. Yeah, no, 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 no one. No one at all. Uh, definitely not. So he hired a van. And what we had to do was drive this woman's belongings from Exeter to this yeah. house in Portsmouth, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So he said, would me and my brother help him do this? And he, of course, would, would do it over a weekend. Yeah. We drive to Portsmouth, unload the furniture. We stay with my grandparents, his parents, who live in Portsmouth, and we come mm-hmm. back the following day. When we're packing up this van, and there's an F load of quite large furniture to put in it, mm-hmm. two burly American lads turn up, quite smartly dressed, yeah, and to help us. And I said, oh, to Uncle Pete, I said, who are these two? And he says, well, he says, the other day there was a knock at the door and I open it and there's these two fellas there, American accents, and they're Mormons. And they were trying to convert him to be a Mormon. So, oh, they don't have to swap wise because they can have loads. Um, Can they? So, yeah, yeah, they're they're polygamous. They're allowed to have lots more than one wife. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, I know, sexist bastards. So these two burly Americans turn up because he roped them into helping him move his mother-in-law. <laughs> but me and my Very brother wise. struggling with, like, dresses and sofas and big yeah. bits of furniture. And these cheeky cunts are coming out with, like, a lampshade or a cup. <laughs> Absolute rubbish. Yeah, oh, what? And he's Mormons. Yeah, bloody bastards. Bastards. Um, and uh, another great Uncle Pete story. Uh, years ago... We, my mum and me and my brother hired a flat in a low-rise development holiday kind of let yeah. uh, on a beach just on Pen... Now, what's it called? Pol- Pen- Pen- I don't know. Penzance? Just north, just north of Newquay. Oh, I don't know. And Uncle Pete and his family, so mm-hmm. Uncle Pete, Auntie Viv, a.k.a. Auntie Val from Devon, if you get Reader's Wise Fiesta, <laughs> and her two kids were in one flat, and mm-hmm. we're in an adjacent flat. While we're down there, uh, my dad arranges to meet me and my brother because he's working down there. They've split up by this point, but he's working down there. So it's a chance for him to see us. And he'd just been to America. Mm-hmm. So as gifts, he had bought these impressive replica revolvers. Uh, that cool. are cap guns that use these really quite chunky, explosive little caps. So it's yeah. a fucking huge bang. So this is great. As a kid, this is brilliant. That it is feels brilliant. like a gun. It's heavy. It sounds like a gun. It's great. That's so brilliant. me and my brother are quite excited about these. Mm-hmm. We get back to our apartment. It's the middle of the afternoon. We sneak into Uncle Pete's apartment and he's having a little doze in a chair. Yeah. He's just there asleep. So we stand either side of him and just start firing these cat guns <laughs> as rapidly as we can. So it's, it's really loud. It was like yeah. alarmingly loud. So he jumps up and is suitably pissed <laughs> off, which was quite funny. We thought it was great. That sounds brilliant. A couple brilliant. of days later, yeah, yeah, you know, kids, they like that kind yeah. of thing. A couple of days later, we go back, me and my brother, do the same thing. We mm-hmm. sneak in there. Sure enough, there he is in the big old armchair, television yeah. on quietly in the background, fast asleep. <laughs> so we do the same thing. But as soon as we get near him, he's not asleep at all. He's <laughs> playing possum. He turns, he sits up and produces two very large water pistols and starts like <laughs> soaking us. So this, over the next few days, this escalated. 
at one point we're having this massive water fight involving water pistols buckets of water everything at which point the owner of the apartment turns up to replace one of the televisions which had mysteriously stopped working due to water and there's fucking water running down the walls and everything <laughs> that was a good oh, holiday i yeah, miss I water fights like yeah he's an interesting guy he used to um he was like a scooter boy back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So he, he said to me, there used to be this... He grew up in Portsmouth. There used to be this one cafe in sport, Portsmouth where all the bikers and the scooter boys would, would eat and meet up. Yeah. And he said there was this thing, this race you would do. So you had to run out of the cafe, jump onto your motorbike or scooter, ride like fuck down the road to there was a roundabout, mm-hmm. go round the roundabout, and come back to the cafe, get in and sit down. And it would be like a time trial. People would be trying to, you know, get the fastest time. Mm-hmm. And he said he did it one day so fast that when he got back to the cafe, he unclipped the side panels of his scooter and fried an egg in them because they were so hot. Oh, so fuck. he's a nice guy. Uncle Pete is a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. Once awesome. um, he told me when he was working in the sorting office in uh, Exeter, mm-hmm. he said a mysterious package came through the sorting office and one nosy postman opened yeah. it up because it was odd and it was full of uh, cannabis resin oh. so so the postie contacts the police yeah and the police turn up and say fine wrap it back up and go and deliver it we'll be mm-hmm. waiting around the corner but make them sign for it like it's a recorded delivery because once yeah. they've put their name on it we can do them yeah. So Uncle Pete's overhearing all this and thinks, oh, oh, that's not good at all. No. So uh, he manages to clock the name and the address. Uh, he finds out the phone number, because he mm-hmm. worked for the post office, I guess. And he uh, anonymously rings them up and says, you're about to receive a package. Just don't sign for it. Pretend you've got nothing to do with it. <laughs> so that's his story. Apart from that, I've been being a bit bored. I want to go on holiday or so do I. Yeah, um, as I'm starting now, on my computer, pictures of holidays I've had in Tenerife. You must oh. go there. That place is great. We we rent a um, a building in a place called Orateva, which mm-hmm. is in the northern part of Tenerife. So it's not particularly touristy. You don't come across many English there, but it's really nice. Um, yeah. But the place we rent is an old vineyard. So it's got an old wine press that must be like 400 years old. This thing is ancient. It's a really old kind of farm building set in quite a lot of grounds. And they still grow old vine grapes. So Mm -hmm. there's these vines that are like gnarled old fingers about, I don't know, five meters long, growing pretty much uh, parallel to the ground. And they look really weird. Mm -hmm. But when we first first got there, oh, it was a nightmare. Uh, Our plane was delayed because there was snow in England. So it was... I think we were the last plane, no, the first plane to leave Bristol Airport after the snow had declined, you know, uh, gone away a bit. So we get there really late. We're supposed to meet this woman at two in the afternoon and we don't get there till midnight. Oh, I pick shit. up a hire car, car in Tenerife mm-hmm. Airport, but I can't work the lights. So we're driving round the main oh, ringway that goes all the way around the island and everyone's flashing us and all sorts and I can't see fuck all. And I just can't work out how to do the lights. So eventually... Uh, I stopped in a petrol station and mm-hmm. got the really young girl who looked about 10 to to work out and show me how to use the lights. I felt such an ass. <laughs> oh, and then dear. we can't find the place. 
So we end up having to meet the owner's mother in another petrol station. It's like a weird drug deal. She showed us this place. But when she's showing us around the place, it's midnight, but she was really kind, really sweet. She says, yeah. oh, and this key is for the wine cellar. And I'm like, sorry? <laughs> she says, yeah, this key's for the wine cellar. Let me show you. So we go out of the main building through kind of the farmyard across to an outbuilding. She yeah. opens it up. And sure enough, there's a massive stack of wine in there. And she oh, wow. says, just help yourself. And there's an honesty box and a price list. So off you go. So it, so we've been back there a couple of times. It's Shit. great. But awesome. Tenerife is amazing. It's like it's got every uh, landscape you can imagine. Deserts, forests, jungles, all on the one island. It's wow. great. Yeah, it's really worth going to. And the food and the wine is exceptional. That's why... Uh, so it's in the Canary Islands, mm -hmm. and that's why in London you've got Canary Wharf, because I think Henry VIII specifically built Canary Wharf to import wines from the Canary Islands. There you go. Ah, fun fact of the yeah, day. There you go. <laughs> other other stupid holiday stories. Okay. Years and years ago, um, my mum and my stepfather rented a villa in Havia that's in it's on the Mediterranean coast of Spain. So if you look at a map of Spain, halfway down on the right-hand side is a bit that sticks out. And it's on the end of that bit was where they rented this villa. And they said, we could come and stay for a week. Mm -hmm. So me and Kate think, great. So we book a ferry crossing, jump in our little uh, one-litre Nova, go across northern France, drive all the way through northern France down to the Pyrenees. Uh, at one point, it's dark and I'm a bit tired. I lose sight of where the road is. We crash through a fence and end up in some farmyard. So we decide to have a kip due to tiredness. So we just sleep in the car in a lay-by. Mm -hmm. Following morning, we wake up, drive up over the Pyrenees, and then down through Spain to this place called Javier, mm -hmm. where the, where the uh, villa is. Uh, on the way, I hit a curb and burst a tyre and it, in the pouring rain. So, oh God, I've got to try and change the tyre. Yeah. A police car stops. These two big burly coppers get out and they sort of help me by being really surly and a bit grouchy. But eventually we got the wheel changed. They were terrifying, Ollie, to be honest with you. Shit, we get all the way to Javier. Mm -hmm. So we've driven like for 36 hours with a small kip in a lay-by. Get to Javier. At this point, we realise I've not got the address mm -hmm. or the instructions on how to find the villa. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit. But I'd been there a few years before, not to the same villa, but to the same place. Yeah. And I'd met my stepfather in the local bank. There was one English bank there. So that's the only place I can really remember. So we mm -hmm. spend the night sleeping in the car in the bank car park. In the morning, the bank workers turn up and are giving us the evils because they think, hang on, why are these ruffians yeah. you know, sleeping in my car park? Maybe they're going to rob us. So we wait there a few hours. I think Kate walked to get some breakfast and come back. We just got, you know, patisserie, that kind of thing. After about three or four hours, blow me, my stepfather drives past. And he <laughs> said, when we didn't turn up when expected, he thought, oh, maybe he assumed I was a big enough of an ass to forget the directions, which I did. Of so, course, of course. Lovely. It was a strange place. Havia is really nice. So it's an Good. old fishing port. Mm -hmm. And in the centre of the town is a little square with some surrounded by some quite big 
like uh, tropical-looking trees, you know, palm trees, mm -hmm. and a bar called the Hubama Bar that's full of old guys. Anyway, one year we're there, and in the middle mm -hmm. of this square, over the course of like two weeks, they build these massive wooden-framed uh, effigies of politicians or celebrities, like caricatures. But these things are easily 20 foot high. They're massive. And then come the weekend, everyone gets tanked up and they set fire to them. But the square was so small, they had to have the fire brigade there hosing down the trees in the buildings so they don't catch fire because the square gets so incredibly hot. But the Spanish being great, I was really drunk and thought, oh, this is great. Look at them hosing down the buildings and the trees. So I was talking to one of the firemen who's holding this hose and said, oh, That's bizarre. can I have a go? And he says, yeah, of course you can. So <laughs> let me oh, awesome. use this massive hose. <laughs> it was great. I love the Spanish. Another awesome. place we stayed in, they had a fiesta that went on 24 7 it went on for two days all through the night and to keep themselves going they're drinking 50 50 red wine and coca-cola in the same glass oh i know oh. <laughs> absolutely mental oh. in the morning in the morning i drove down to this village where this was happening mm -hmm. and there's still like revelers out and about on the street mm -hmm. and they had a street sweeper going by and he was spraying the people so like you know as a laugh <laughs> yeah, kind I of the spanish i need a holiday oh absolutely Crazy that kind spanish. of that reminds me of going to germany yeah um because the german people are very prim and proper during the week no one okay. really goes. No one really goes out or does anything. They will go to work and they come home. But come the weekend, it when you go out in the town, it's just complete and utter chaos. <laughs> they and really let their hair down. Every other place is like a pizza, pizzeria sort of place or a bar. And you've got Irish bars, and yeah. it's just everyone's out on the street drinking, and it's just complete and utter mayhem. I swear to God, we were walking down the street, and there was this lady led on the floor with like bits of broken glass around her. And getting into an bits of bits of bits of broken glass around her, and oh, two Christ. ambulance two ambulance guys show up and put her in the back of an ambulance. I swear to God, she'd like just came through an upstairs window and landed on the floor. Christ and like almighty. and there's cans of beer everywhere. I know where's like everywhere's like an off license, so you can just go into an off license and get a can. And they've got bottle openers bottle openers in the off licenses to do that. But then, That's nice. but then Civilized. come come like three o'clock, they got teams of street cleaners out and everything like that you walk there to get bread in the morning everything's yeah. complete and tidy all the vomit has been washed away all the <laughs> rub, all the litter's gone it's just like nothing ever happened and it's that's every weekend that's really interesting because that is yeah. not my uh, um ill-informed stereotypical impression of the germans that they go absolutely bonkers every weekend Some fantastic museums, and it's a it's an unusual place, but loads of different nationality restaurants there. You know, every country in the world is represented in Amsterdam in restaurant yeah. form at some point. Uh, also, they do two fast foods. One of which is nice. Mm -hmm. One is they they've got a thing about roll mops, that's rolled right. up herring, not cooked, but just mm -hmm. kind of um, sort of cooked in acid in vinegar, rolled around onions. Uh, sometimes gherkins in it yeah uh, sealed with a cocktail stick and you buy these from street vendors and i really like them 
Mm-hmm. But they're not good honeymoon food because you stink like an old fisherman. Oh, of course. I really like them. That's the good one. Yeah. The bad one is they have these uh, unattended shops with vending machines in. And instead of it being cigarettes or beer or sweets in the vending machine, there's various uh, deep fried breaded food items that look disgusting. And that's a big thing in Amsterdam. But oh, I've this, heard about um, the food vending machines. They've got all sorts oh, of stuff God, in vending machines. They look grim. Absolutely grim. Shockingly grim. Shit. But, they, but we did go to a Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. that had a really good reputation. So we turn up at this Mexican restaurant. They say, oh, you know, your table isn't quite ready yet because the previous diners are still eating. Yeah. So, you know, just sit at the bar. Mm -hmm. So I love a margarita, you know, tequila, triple sec, salt, lime juice. Brilliant. So I'm drinking margaritas. I forget what my partner's having. And just along the bar from us are three largest people, all blonde haired, two fellas, one really quite chunky, and a woman. And they are ordering. Now, Amsterdam to me is expensive to drink in, but they are ordering cocktail after cocktail, having a couple of sips, and then not finishing them. So I start engaging them in... Yeah, exactly. I start engaging them in conversation, partly to get their freebies. And they're happy to give us the cocktails they don't like. One was a strawberry margarita that was a bit disgusting. And there are all sorts of things they were drinking. So eventually I say, well, they're quite drunk. I say, how come you're not drinking all these? And they say, oh, uh, where we come from, booze is really expensive. So to us, this is cheap. So the ones we don't like, we're trying loads. The ones we don't like, we're not going to drink. I said, oh, well, fair enough. I'll I'll happily help you out. I said, but why are you trying all the different ones? And he said, oh, well, I own a Mexican restaurant in Sweden. And the big guy at the end, who's practically asleep on the bar now, is my chef. Yeah. And the woman is my partner, who's also a partner in the business. So we come here to get inspiration from this great Mexican restaurant. So they just kept handing us cocktail after cocktail. It was great. I met some other Scandinavians once. I was at a house party in London. Mm-hmm. Friends of my partners, old college friends of my partners. Yeah. And... Uh, they wouldn't allow smoking in the flat, which is fair enough. Yeah. So they had a little roof terrace. So we went out onto the roof terrace to smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm out there, and you obviously you chat to people, uh, fellow smokers, and there was a little group of like four or five people who had come from somewhere in Scandinavia just for the weekend. And I said, oh, you know, what, what, why have you come? Is it for the party? And they said, oh, no, 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 we've come to see Guns N' Roses who were playing in London. <laughs> so they'd flown from Norway or wherever it was yeah. to London to see Guns N' Roses, which you know, which was great. You know, well, cool. fair, fair play. Not my kind of music, but fair play. No, me neither. Rock but... on. And uh, we were talking about the annoyance of having to smoke outside, which is reasonable. And they said, "Oh, they said we have another thing that we can do inside." I said, "Oh, oh what's that?" And they said, "Oh, it's schnooze." A what? thing called schnooze. And I said, oh, what is this schnooze? <laughs> so they showed me, and it was in little tins, little circular, quite flat tins. Yeah. And it was uh, unrefined tobacco mixed with, well, they said it used to be broken glass, but now that's illegal. So they mix it with very coarse rock salt, so big, chunky crystals of salt. And the idea is you kind of squidge it into a little ball about the size of your thumbnail. Mm. So it's got salt and tobacco in it. 
you shove it up between the inside of your cheek and your gum and you just stick it up there and let it sit. Now, the, the abrasiveness of the <laughs> salt or previously the crushed gra glass would cut open your gum. So the nicotine, which would dissolve in your saliva, mm -hmm. would go into the blood of your gum really rapidly. So you get a massive nicotine hit. And it was it was quite um, unbelievable how powerful nicotine is in a really sudden dose. It's like yeah. someone's put a pillow in your in your head. It's really alarmingly <laughs> alarming. So I really liked it. So bless uh, I, 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 I must I must I must say to our listeners, uh, obviously, do not try this at home. Oh, no, God, um, no. <laughs> don't even God attempt no. it. <laughs> God knows, but they they gave. <laughs> they shouldn't me even be telling you how to do this, but okay. No, but it, but it was really nice. The trick was mm -hmm. they had the knack of shoving it up there, and it wouldn't come out. But that takes a lot of practice. I would shove it up there, and I obviously didn't compact it hard enough. Yeah, and it would start like dribbling out my mouth. This brown goo would just start dribbling down your face, <laughs> so it didn't look good. Plus, you've like monged because you got so much nicotine in you. But yeah. they gave me a tin of it because they liked me and I liked it, and they they were nice people. So uh, for a few months afterwards, if I was at a party, yeah, uh, it would come up in conversation, and I'd say, "Oh well, you're welcome to try it," knowing that nine times out of ten the reaction would always be the same. <laughs> they would put it in their mouths, you know, up in their gum. <laughs> Inevitably, it would leak out. They would go very, very quiet, yeah, and then a bit green, and then vomit. It almost made everyone I gave it to vomit because <laughs> the nicotine hit was so strong. Yeah, bonkers. Yeah, don't try to hurt me. Have I mentioned Nick Cave? Not previously, no. Oh, oh well, as I say, I've been bored and wanted to go on holiday. Yeah. And when I first stopped working for the NHS, I was often uh, at home uh, cooking of an afternoon and listening to Radio 6, which mm -hmm. was Mark Radcliffe and... McConey, I think. Stuart McConey. Six in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. They now do Saturday and Sunday morning, but they used to do afternoons before he had his throat cancer scare. Yeah. And they often had text subjects, get you to text in yeah. over a specific subjects. And I was bored and listening to this. And one day they say, uh, where have you seen celebrities in out of place, in mm -hmm. the wrong place? And I knew Nick Cave lived in Brighton. Mm -hmm. So I just texted in, oh, funny you should be talking about this. I've just seen Nick Cave in a trendy Brighton sweet shop buying a licorice pipe for his kids and texted it in. And they, they believed me <laughs> and read it out. And then that afternoon, there was a series of equally bizarre and not very credible celebrity <laughs> spottings. But now my number is blocked from Radio 6. Oh, is it? My, my texts don't go through because I did follow it up with some increasingly outrageous fake, fake things. Although I did once see Chris Eubank in Brighton. Did you? Yes. Yeah, I definitely did. Oh, this is quite, this is quite good. So years ago, uh, a friend of ours had moved to Brighton. And me and another couple of friends uh, decide to go and see them. So a road trip to Brighton, which is great. We turn up there and it's in a place called Camp Town. So it's a suburb of Brighton up on a hill. Yep. They're all having their uh, amateur football team, AGM, mm -hmm. which is getting quite heated. So all the la everyone's in this pub. 
all the lads are involved with this like committee meeting mm-hmm. and all their partners are involved with us because they're bored and, and you know we're new kids on the block so we had a we had a lovely evening i think <laughs> which was quite good uh the following day we're walking around brighton and blow me we see chris eubank the boxer wearing what i can only describe as quite a large white dress so um we didn't say anything to him we, re- we really didn't say anything to him no but we get quite drunk and a little um intoxicated in many ways and decide to go and play crazy golf the crazy golf course sadly closed now in brighton is called peter pan's pleasure palace <laughs> so yeah, try saying that when you're drunk jumping into the back of a taxi peter pan's <laughs> pleasure palace please <laughs> peter pan's pleasure palace please <laughs> yeah but it was great and my uh the my words lovely cousin, the words pleasure what, and palace shouldn't really go together (laughs) it was a good it was a good crazy golf course it was a good crazy golf course nice but um oh yeah at one point we're in a nightclub Mm -hmm. and uh we want to go and do something discreet in a toilet cubicle have a shit you mean i go in i go into the toilet cubicle accompanied by my male friend to have a Uh, shit together right sorry to have a shit together right yeah, sort of. Well, <laughs> I really did want to do that. That's the thing. I really did want to do that. So I'm in there. He follows me in to do something not so wholesome, if you can believe that, as my number two. <sighs> After like 30 seconds, I'm saying, no, mate, I really need... In. And he's saying, no, 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 I won't be a minute. I won't be a minute. I just need the system, blah, blah, blah. At mm. which point we hear the door go and a bouncer come in, who's clearly seen that this looks a bit suspicious. So if the bouncer sees four feet yep. under the toilet door, that's going to be well dodged. So my mate <laughs> climbs up on the toilet seat. So he's got his legs either side of my naked thighs stood on the toilet seat. I can't hold it in any longer. Oh. So out it, out it all comes. <laughs> with him stood above me with his crutch in my face. And the bouncer, once he gets a whiff of my, my <laughs> stuff, my detritus, clearly thinks this is reasonable and off he goes. Yeah. So that, that was a Brighton story. Oh, God. Um, um, my lovely cousin used to run a pub in Brighton, mm-hmm. a really friendly gay pub. It's really brilliant. My dad used to work there with my Uncle Pete, my cousin's father, when yeah. she went off on holiday. And my dad's quite straight-laced, a bit of a Daily Mail reader. <laughs> mm-hmm. And apparently the fun they had with him working in this gay pub was great. <laughs> <laughs> the customers pretending to come on to him and all sorts. <laughs> but I think it was called the queen victoria and my uncle being quite arty he made a bust like you get on the front of a ship you know an old-fashioned ship mm-hmm. a, a bust of queen victoria oh nice but what he did was he put some pipe work in it some plumbing in it mm. so you could connect the you know in pubs you have those things that dispense lemonade or soda or yeah. press a button yeah so you could connect that discreetly under the bar to the pipework in this bust of Queen Victoria, Princess Victoria. So uh, if you press the button, it would squirt whatever fizzy beverage you wanted through the pipes and it would come out through her nipples and squirt anyone who stood in front of it. <laughs> Isn't that great? Good old Uncle Pete. Good old Uncle Pete. Fantastic. That is genius. The other... Yeah, it's great. It was really good. It was really well made. He's, he's very, very gifted, as I say. He's extremely gifted. <laughs> The other bizarre thing that happened on that weekend was we've been clubbing in the Toilet Incident Club yeah. and we're walking back along the promenade trying to get back to uh, the mate's house where we're staying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's only three, four of us, I think. 
staggering along. It's like three in the morning or something. We become aware behind us is a bigger group of people, mixed men and women, and they're walking quicker than us. And it's sort of quite menacing. Yeah. And we think, hang on, this is looking a bit dodge. So we speed up, they speed up, and it's like, oh, shit, we're going to get mugged here. So we try and run, but we are very hammered, (laughs) and they run quicker than us. And eventually they chase us down and they're on top of us and they kind of knock us to the floor and we're like, oh shit, we're going to get beaten up and mugged. Yeah. But what they did was they pushed us to the floor and then mercilessly tickled us for what <laughs> felt like half an hour. I guess it was only a couple of minutes. But they just tickled us mercilessly and then they ran off. So we got like tickle mugged in Brighton. <laughs> I love Brighton. Oh, I've got new clothes lately uh, because my youngest boyfriend oh, have you? Uh, moved from their current rented property to yep. a little flat just on their own, which they're really looking forward to. Oh, excellent. T- yeah, yeah, that's nice. They're moving on. They're living together. You know, who mm-hmm. would want to go and move back in with their parents, hey, Ollie? <laughs> I know, I know. Don't, don't get me started. <laughs> so, as a consequence, they've been having a clear out sorry I, I did have a glass of tequila earlier and it's, it's making me feel a bit weird um as a consequence they had a bit of a clear out i've really enjoyed this so have i do it's been great yeah thank yeah. you yeah nice to hear you're getting on well apart from your cat shitting you know. Yep, and nice. all the other stuff that comes with living back with your parents. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Let that be a lesson, listener. Don't move back in with your parents. It's never a good thing. No. Well, it saves you money, but anyway. Yes. We'll leave yes, it. it we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there, shall we? We'll leave it there. <laughs> Love to your folks. Yeah, nice you to too. Speak to you, good yeah. to speak to you, Dave. Goodbye, listener. Take care, man. Take Cheers, care, bye, all. Bye, bye, listener. Bye. Campfire chat has been a wet toe production. It was hosted by Oliver Rogers and Dave Damage. Edited by Oliver Rogers. You can email the boys at campfirechat at yahoo.com. Goodbye.